Today, we will be speaking with Tomas Williams. He is a professor at George Washington University, focusing on both research and teaching. He teaches international finance at the International Affairs School and writes academic papers. Hope you enjoy this episode. How do ETFs work? First, let me clarify like throughout the talk that there are like very different types of ETFs. And, and I, I will try to talk much more about what we call plain vanilla ETFs that are the ones that are very common in the finance industry. And I think before we get to how they work, it's good to, to think a little bit about what ETFs are. So these exchange-traded funds are securities that can be bought and sold in exchanges, you know, in uh, stock markets usually, or debt markets. So for instance, like just to give an example of the classical exchange-traded fund is the one that is called the SPY, that is basically um, an ETF that is tracking the performance of the S&P 500. What that means is that if you buy this SPY, that is going to be close to a promise to give you the return, the annual return on the S&P 500, that is uh, the um, index that covers the, um, the 500 most well-known companies in the US. Um, so that's that's what exchange traded funds are. So they are securities that are usually linked to different indexes. And if you purchase this security, you get basically the return of the index. Okay. So the, the again, the most classical uh, example of of, uh, of an ETF is the is the SPY that covers the S and P five hundred. Um, now. Back to the question of how do ETFs work, because that, that, that's where this started. So this is a complicated process, because basically what you have is you have banks that are called authorized participants that basically buy everything that is in the S&P 500, in the example. Like all the securities that are in the S&P 500 are bought by, by these banks, and they create one share of the ETF. So... Through this process that is usually called creation, redemption of shares, these banks uh, basically provide the supply and demand for these for this, uh, ETFs. And they are basically the ones that are uh, in charge of um, the, the mechanism that makes the ETF price be close to the price of the index. So these banks, when they see, for instance, that the price of the ETF is going above the price of the S&P 500, what they are going to do is they are going to supply shares of the ETF and buy shares of the S&P, or buy everything that is in the S&P 500. So they are going to prop up the price of the, price of the S&P 500 and bring down the price of the ETF so that the price of both stay close to each other. So the really important thing about how ETFs work is the role of these big banks that are called authorized participants, because they are the ones that are creating the, this mechanism that makes the price of the, the ETF be close to the price of the underlying index. Um, and I'm trying to simplify that as much as possible, but this is a complicated process through which they try to take advantage of differences in the price and try to profit from it. And through that process, they basically close the gap when there is a wedge between the two prices. I'm curious about the development of ETFs. Uh, is it a relatively new financial instrument? Is it something that's been around for a long time? And how is it being used in people's portfolios today? 
I would say I, I don't have the exact date in here, but I would say like it's relatively new, meaning like early 2000s. And from my perspective, the, the development of ETFs actually start with other type of funds that are called usually index funds. Index funds are kind of mutual funds that allow you to track the performance of an index, but they are not exactly an ETF because it's not per se a security where you can track the price of the security throughout the day. So if you if you check an index fund, you basically don't have a price throughout the day in the market. You just have one price at the end of the day and one price at the end of the day tomorrow. ETFs are, are basically, and I would, I would argue, a little bit of an upgrade of that because it allows you to buy them and sell them throughout the day, checking out the price of the ETF. Um, so basically the first index fund was created in the 60s and the ETFs are, are, are this new development that allows you to buy exposure to an index in a very continuous way throughout the day in, in stock markets. Um, so it's relatively new um, in a way, you know, I mean, it has like 10, 15 years. And again, the, a lot of the characteristics of the ETFs are based on index funds because they try to track the performance of an index. Why was there this shift from index funds to now ETFs? Um, why is it something that the why was this financial instrument created if there's already something similar to it? Well, they, they where they differ is again in this continuous trading. The the fact that you can trade the ETF throughout the day and you can see the price moving throughout the day, for some investors might be an advantage. Because what happens with traditional index funds is that if you want to get out of it. You have to sell, but you don't know at the price you are going to say sell because that price is only going to appear at the end of the day. So you are selling, and if a lot of other people are selling, maybe you get a bad price at the end of the day, um, and and that might be a problem. So in a way, it doesn't allow you to exit exit first from the ETF if if things are uh, if things are in trouble, like in the index fund. Sorry, um, the ETF does. Because whenever you want in the day, you want to sell it, you see a price, you sell it at that price. If you don't like the price, you don't sell it. Um, with the index fund, you don't know the price that you're going to get at the end of the day. You can try to, to predict it, but it's not as easy. So that is where the ETF provides something like like different. Uh, and, and in a way, I would argue that it's much more liquid than the index funds in the sense again that that you can have that liquidity immediately uh while in the index fund you don't know what you're going to get at the end of the day so how can beginner investors uh look at etfs and use etfs as something in their own portfolios um well as I was saying with the with the example of the of the S&P 500 I think the the main advantage is that you can easily buy and sell one security that gives you exposure to many securities. So I don't know, imagine that you want to get exposure to the airplane industry, but you don't know which airplane stock to buy. There is an ETF that is called the Jets that basically gives you exposure to a balanced portfolio within the industry. So. The, the, the real advantage is that you can get a, at a very low cost and exposure to 
the a wide set of the market that you would like to have exposure to without without having to think or or put too much thought on which specific stock you have to buy you know uh that's that's what i see as the main advantage in terms of uh portfolio allocation for 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 beginner investors um now i mean with with that said um there are also disadvantages. Um, and I think this stem a little bit from their own advantages uh, because at the same time, it gives you AC exposure to very complicated securities. Uh, so you might have ETFs that are not that traditional, like the example of the S&P 500 I mentioned before. Um, you have ETFs that gives you, I don't know, the inverse return of some index and or things that are very exotic. Uh, usually these are called like 2X, 3X ETF and you would, you would find those in the name. Um, or ETFs that expose you to different uh, options. Uh, and those, I mean, you have to do a lot of research to know how they work. And sometimes... Um, the return are not going to clo closely track that of the underlying index. So you have to be aware that you might get exposure to something that is very exotic and ha might have a lot of risks. So again, there's an advantage in that you get a very low cost option for many securities, but also you get this low cost for something that might be very exotic and might be very risky. So it depends a little bit on your, on your risk uh, preferences uh, in terms of um, an investor that is beginning in the stock market. How can people properly value different ETFs? People like to value stocks, but now that there's all these stocks uh, clumped into sort of one group and they're being traded together, how can you value all these different stocks all in one? This is not easy. I mean, there are a lot of professionals trying to, to do valuation of stocks and bonds all over the world. And since ETFs, a lot of them involve many, many securities value in ETFs, uh, it's not an easy task. So, I mean, and in here, if you are a, um, an investor that is starting in the stock market, um, I do not know if the best idea is to try to value an ETF, but rather think about uh, the type of exposure the ETF gives you to different industries. If you want to be a diversified investor that does not want to trade a lot, ETFs are a good option because it gives you exposure to many different securities and you don't have to worry about the return of just a single one. Um, I Again, I, I don't want to get too much onto the valuation because I think that's very complicated. It depends on many different factors and even professionals that do it, uh, they miss uh, many, many times. So, so um yeah, I mean, uh, just just to be aware of that. And you mentioned how, you know, there's broader ETFs like the SPY ETF. Um, and then there's these other ones, the 2X, 3X ETFs, which are a lot more complicated. So which ones do you think people should look into first um, and take a look at those, learn how those work um, in case at the beginning of their investing journey? and they can learn from those ETFs more than the more complicated ones. I think uh I think the the ones like the SPY like the SP, SPY are some of those are are the ones to to begin with. 
The good thing about EDS is that they they are often quite transparent because by regulation they have to report many many things. So you can Google them, and in the web page of the SPY you are going to find lots of things from the annual return to the holdings of of the that um, uh, SPY ETF. Um, to the expenses, to how it works. So if you want to start there, just Google the SPY and go through the webpage and try to find out how it works, what stocks do do they get exposure to uh, and stuff like that, because that I think it's the, it's the easiest way to start. From there onwards, you have many different options. You know, I mentioned I mentioned Jets before because in the pandemic it was uh, it was quite famous. Um, then, then you also, I mean, you also have, for instance, the emerging market uh, iShares ETF that is uh, very well known. I think the ticker is like EEM. Um, and then the others, the other ones that I want to mention that. I think also have an advantage is the ones that relate to commodities because you have many different ETFs that track commodities. For instance, the USO tracks the, the um, uh, one famous oil index. So in there, you also can can go to the webpage of the USO and, and see how it works. But again, it's a security. So you buy it in the stock market, it gets you exposure to the oil price without having to you know hold oil in your house or something like that. Uh, I think that's the main advantage. But at the same time, you have to be aware of how it works, how the underlying index works in order to understand well the situation. As a, again, as, a investor, as an investor that is just starting. Um, so I think going from these broad indexes like the SPY, the Jets, the emerging markets, also to the commodity ones that are the ones where, where there might be an advantage because it's difficult to, to, to store commodities. Um, those are good places to start. Something that I've just thought about because I mean, over the past two years or a little before past two years, um, there's a bull uh, bull market. Um, so you know people are pumping a lot of money to the stock market. Uh, but now that there's a bear market. Uh, what has the response been with ETFs because it's tracking an index? People, you know, if you just had your money in the spy uh, ETF, you would have lost. Yeah. a lot of money that you had gained um, over the past two years. So how are people reacting to that? And are ETFs a smart choice, um, sort of in an economic downturn? So in here, I want to basically separate two things. The first one is to think about your your investment horizon. I don't know, if you are saving for the very, very long run, you might want to have a diversified portfolio where you just buy and hold in the sense that you buy the SPY and now there is a downturn, but you still keep your money there. You might be putting uh, every month some money in there. And and this gets you exposure to a broad uh, range of securities. And it might be wise to just hold, hold it and then, I don't know, you retire, for instance. That, that's one option, you know? And it depends on your investment horizon. If you are just trading to get a short-run profit, then, as you say, you know, in the in this bear market, the SPY just collapsed and you probably lost a lot of money. Um, now they are like inflation increased uh, a lot also uh, throughout this this downturn that that had a lot to do to 
to rising interest rates. So in there, if you are holding an ETF that exposes you to inflation-protected securities, so there is the, there are these bonds that are called TIPS, uh, that are treasury bonds that protect you um, of inflation, in the sense that they are going to pay you an annual return that depends on inflation plus something, plus a small, uh, a small percentage more. If you hold an ETF that has an underlying index that is uh, related to these TIPS bonds, then probably during this downturn, you did quite well uh, because inflation was increasing, this index was increasing, and, and you didn't suffer as much. But again, everything is a choice. And ETFs, there are so many, and they give you exposure to different type of assets that in a bear market, some might be on the on the downside, but some others that are in a way a hedge to, to bear markets might give you a good return. The only thing is that you 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 have to be a good forecaster of when the bear market is coming uh, and try to position yourself before that. But again, that is a, that is a, always a risky bet. Uh, but again, I would suggest that that a good starting point to thinking about like booms and recessions and bull and bear markets is to think about assets that gives you good returns during booms, but also assets that give you good returns during busts, during bear markets. Um, and and in there you might you, you might find ETFs that are good for one or for the other one and just choose between those. Where do you see the future of ETFs going? Because I recently read a headline um, saying passive investing is past active investing. So I was just wondering where you felt uh, the ETFs and sort of the fight between passive and active investing, where that's going. That, uh, that's a very good question. I mean, that's a very good question that is actively being debated in both policy and academic circles. And I don't think we, we have the full answer. Uh, I can tell you uh, like two or three things or where, I mean, I see it going, but uh, again, it's not a, it's not a sure thing. For sure, there's going there's been this battle, you know, like a, between active and passive investors, and there's been a lot of money that have flown from active funds to mostly ETFs. Uh, I mean, that has happened over the last fifteen to twenty years, uh, and that's there. Is that going to continue? Well, I mean, as a lot of money moved to passive funds. There might be also advantages of being like a smart investor and trying to take advantage of that money that is basically just tracking an index. Uh, so there might be a point at which we stop, you know, at, at this transition stops. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen soon um, or maybe in more uh, um, the medium run or the long run. Uh, but it's hard to think that all the money is going to end up in passive funds because someone is going to want to take advantage of that money that is just tracking an index. There are two more developments that I, that I see a lot uh, happening. One is the proliferation of ETF. This that I mentioned before that it's not only the SPY, it's 2X, 3X, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum ETFs that are, that are being created or that are trying to be created every day. Uh, so more likely than not, we are going to see a boom of ETFs in, every asset class that is being born because it gives you an easy exposure to, to that asset class. So so probably ETFs are, are going to be uh, born uh, every day with each new asset class. 
Um, and as they fade, probably ETFs on those asset classes are going to fade also. Um, but I think that that's very natural because again, they are a low cost uh, option and that gives you exposure to, to different type of assets. Now, the, the last development that I want to mention and that uh, maybe it's a little bit hidden, but, but I think it's good to know for, for beginner investors is that the fact that ETFs track an index can be very misleading in the sense that index themselves might be very misleading. So again, I want to go back to the example of the, of the S&P 500 because I think it's very, uh, it's very illustrative. If you think about the S&P 500, ideally, it would give you exposure to this 500 industry, uh, five, sorry, 500 companies uh, in the US. Now, when you look at the S&P 500, you see that the top five, 10 firms are 90% of the index, meaning that the weight of those companies are 90% of the index. And that might mean that if you buy the SPY, you are basically getting exposure to these 10 companies. Um, you know, Apple, Microsoft, etc. Um, so the other development that is for sure going to happen at some point is that there's going to be an increase in indexes that are more, how to call it, like um, equal weighted across securities. So there are going to be indexes that give the same weight to Microsoft and to a small company. And in that sense, you get a more proportional exposure to, to these companies instead of just having your index being like this 10 companies uh, instead of the 500 that you are supposed to, to have exposure to. So that's the other, the other development that I see in the future that is not that mentioned in the news, but I think it's good to know for, for investors that are starting because taking a look at the index that the ETF is tracking is, is just the, one of the most important things because you want to know what you are getting exposure to. Not only to think, okay, this is the emerging market index. It's going to give me exposure to emerging markets. But is it really, or is it only going to give you exposure to China, India, and some big countries? So that's the question that you really have to ask yourself, and you have to research and know how the index is, is constructed. 